welcome to episode one of the local meta. My name is Fletcher. And I'm John. So, John, how's it going? It's all right. Won a nice mediocre two and two at game day today. You know, solid. <laughs> What'd you run? Black red aggro. Uh, basically the exact same list that Cesar Segovia played to undefeated day one in the Pro Tour. I thought it. I thought it would be able to get underneath a lot of the decks. Which, if I didn't randomly draw, you know, ten of the twenty-one lands in my deck, I probably could have. <laughs> so, not the best of luck today. So is that just a pretty traditional aggro list? Small creatures get under there. It's pretty close to it. It's it's basically like an artifact aggro deck. It just plays a bunch of artifacts. You have like, and then uh, Inventor's Apprentice gets bigger with artifacts. Weldfast Engineer, which is a three mana three three. You can have combat in your turn. You give target artifact creature control plus two plus zero. Oh, okay. And you just bring the beats with really resilient stuff. Try and murder your opponents. Nice. I suppose with a format that is mostly combo decks and everything, if you can get in there and smack them around quick enough, that does the trick. Yeah, like the deck, I think it's really good against the actual combo, and I don't think it's bad against Black Green, which is currently perceived as being the best deck. Like, I have, you know, like, unlicensed disintegration to kill anything, plus shoot them in the face. Hungering Flames can kill all their smaller dudes earlier on, and then good old Shock. Nothing beats Shock, except Lightning Bolt. Well, yeah, but we don't get that anymore. <laughs> yeah. I can dream. Yeah, I know. I fun police, right? <laughs> I, I think it's fun. I don't know why they won't let me have Lightning Bolt in Standard. What's the worst yeah. that would happen? I don't know. Last time Lightning Bolt was in Standard, I'm pretty sure Jace the Mind Sculptor was in Standard too, which is, yeah. well, for a while. It's very <laughs> balanced. Yeah, okay. We're playing Standard, not Vintage. Yeah, we'll we'll have lightning we'll have lightning bolts and mana leaks in the same format, and I'll play them in the same deck, and I'll just crush everyone because I'm just doing everything I love to do in life. And... <laughs> Whatever works for you. <laughs> so, after I'm uh, going a mediocre two and two, copying someone's list, we're gonna talk about brewing today. Actually, yeah, because clearly, you know, copying people doesn't work very well. So. John, I guess we'll just start out really quick. What's a brew? So I'm going for I'm going to use a brew as basically like someone who actually sits down and they come up with a full deck list. They're not just like throwing a bunch of whatever random things they want inside of a deck and calling it a deck, right? Like just because you put every card that says a werewolf in a deck and attack them with it, you didn't brew up the werewolf deck. You just you know you metaphorically went into the kitchen grabbed your entire spice rack and dumped it into a pot and called it something that doesn't count as a brew like i think brews personally require work so if i just grab all the cards i have that say goblin that doesn't make it a goblin brew no as much as i wish it did there's planning that goes into like a goblin deck like everything needs to be able to justify itself if you're building something out of nothing, I mean, brewing's got to be a fair chunk of work then. So why why brew over just running someone else's list that is tried and true and has, you know, been in Pro Tours? <laughs> so there are different reasons for why you might want to brew. I usually do it because I just want to try and play a specific type of thing. Like, 
I I've or I want to see if something's possible. Like for example, I'm currently in modern. I'm playing a blue black control list because I was curious if it's possible to play an actual control deck without playing red because all the control decks in modern right now are Grixis. I'm like, well, what if you just didn't play red? What if you had that limitation? Can the deck still function fine? That's personally why I'm like brewing up what I'm currently brewing. Um, there are people who brew because you know. They want to be unique and beautiful snowflakes, which I guess more power to them, even though they bother me. Um, maybe you just see something in the format other people don't. Uh, like maybe like there's a card like Aetherflux Reservoir, where you're just like this card is breakable, and I'm gonna find out how to do it. Or you know maybe you just you want to play like a super low to the ground aggro deck. So and like there's really nothing for that in the format. So you know you're like well I want to see if this is possible, or in people like your case you know you look at a card like you just want to play one card because you think it's great and you'll go through hell and earth to make it actually good good is in quotations <laughs> our, our, our primary example will probably be involving that reason yes people brew for those reasons as i mean is that worth the trouble as i said i mean i mean you can, i can go i can go grab a list from you know insert professional magic player name here and that probably did quite well and just play it what what am i getting a lot out of trying to brew up a deck there is the advantage of people don't know what you're doing like if people don't know what you're playing how you're playing it it's very hard for people to actually like counteract what you're doing because they don't know what's in your deck like i i've gotten this isn't constructed obviously but i've gotten advantage points for that in modern because no one knows what deck i'm playing when i they sit down across from me because i can play almost anything i want it's like the unexpected um deck is something that people it does matter like if you're sitting down and you're like you know oh i'm gonna go turn one you know black red land like i was doing today like people don't know really about the black red deck because it didn't do well at the pro tour even though he did a really good game one and so i've wound up getting like i wouldn't be surprised if i did get a minor advantage from that because maybe someone thinks i'm on margu vehicles and suddenly it's like well he's clearly missing blue or he, he's missing white and you know he probably i can maybe take advantage of him stumbling when in actuality i had all my colors i was working you know on all cylinders as it were and like you can get an advantage for people just not knowing what you're doing they might sideboard poorly against you because they don't know what you could have in your sideboard because you're playing some jank like for once again an example um in modern i have my when my blue black deck people don't know what i'm playing i have a main deck shadow of doubt no one plays around shadow of doubt no one plays around me casting far and away on their board like you i get advantages because no one knows what i'm doing and they just don't quite know what all they have to play around because I have 11 one-ofs in the deck because that's what I like to do. I've said before, constructed formats feel a lot more like... Um, it's it's far more about knowing your deck and, and what your opponent is playing. And when you can take one of those pieces off the table for your opponent, it just is a huge weapon. Yeah, like you have a massive advantage because you know everything... If you personally brewed up the deck, you know everything in your deck, you know what all your outs are, you know what you can do. And your opponent's looking at you and they're like... I have no idea what this person's doing. It's like, oh, you tapped out on turn two to play your Kalidus? I'm going to tap out and play an Ashiok. That, that's the real reason you made that blue-black deck, isn't it? <laughs> I might have a love affair with an androgynous individual. <laughs> <laughs> so, we know, we know that we're going to brew. We know why we're going to brew. 
you know, we want to attack the meta in a different way, we want to play a certain card, something like that. We're going to build this deck, but we don't want to just take a bunch of cards and throw them together in a pile, because that's not a good deck. So, how can we go about looking at the cards we're putting in this deck to make it work? I'm probably going to be doing a lot of quotes from Patrick Chapin in this, because the guy is really good when it comes to deck building, and anyone who wants to learn about stuff like that really should pay attention to his work. But um, this is primarily also going to be for the people who want to like brew to win, not just to brew and do their own thing. I mean, if you want to brew and make your fun, you know, theme deck or whatever and play it, yeah, temper, like, your, ex- more temper power your expectations. To you. yeah. yeah, it's cool, but, but just, you know. <laughs> so it's like something that a lot of people don't seem to realize in Magic is like whenever you see someone like, oh, this is my brew, and it's just like a bunch of like four ofs of a like random stuff and like it's really awesome this like a lot of people need to realize that the most common correct number of cards in your deck is zero like if i was to take the the deck that i played today and i was to lay it out and we were to be like all right so every single card that is available to me right now in standard i am probably playing less than five percent because the correct number of those cards in my deck is zero for what i'm trying to do that's actually a really fascinating thought that you're more likely to not play a card than you are actually going to play a card. Yeah. Like, cards need to justify themselves to be in your deck because you only have 75 slots. So I I say this all the time to people whenever they show me this list and they're like, oh, this is my thing. And I look at their four of and I'm like, why are you playing four of this? And like, I it, it could very well be the correct answer, but I always ask them that question. They're like, well, why? I'm like, because why is four the correct number? And I'm like, would you play five of this card? And they say, no, I say it's probably incorrect to play four then. If you, if you could play an infinite number of a card to make the deck as good as it possibly could be, most cards, like, you would probably only have maybe three or four different types of cards in your deck. So your goal should be for, like, all the other cards you play to match up to that, or you want a specific thing going on. Yeah, you commonly, when we're, when I, we've been brewing up some of our lists even, or any deck that I, I show you, every time you see a four of you always ask me that, would you play five of this card? And sometimes I say yes, sometimes I say no, but it really makes you think about how valuable that one card is. Like the the sick brew for modern that we spent probably more time than is reasonable on uh, the um uh, unexpected results brew. <laughs> spent more time on that deck than we have on legacy decks or any deck. But I mean, that deck each slot in each slot in that deck is so important that you have to justify each each one and the the list now is basically just a bunch of four ofs but you know unexpected results is a, is a card that in that deck that the whole deck revolves around and you know would, would you play five of that card well yeah i'd play probably about yes. 10 of that card because <laughs> that's because it's the engine i was pondering that the other day it's like how many unexpected results would we play in this deck if we could i'd probably play eight to ten it's probably around 12 you think 12 I think around 12. Probably, I'd say. Because right. it's as close as you can get to guaranteeing one being in your opening hand. You just gotta cut a bunch of enablers then. I mean, yeah. I mean, we probably, we, you'd wind up cutting a bunch of, like, you probably cut down everything that isn't Emrakul for the actual hits. You think everything? It's possible. I think Emrakul's the best card in the deck to hit. I mean, it is by far the best card in the deck to hit. Yeah, so I mean, if we, is like, say if you were to do something like, you know, so we cut the blight steals, we cut all the omniscience on stuff, and our goal is just to hit an Emrakul. Like, we still have, you would still have the, I think you, you don't need to play the Red Splash anymore. 
Like, you still have the mana dorks just to try and speed stuff out, but... Yeah, maybe, I don't know. You're really messing with percentages there. Yeah, I'm going all over the place. You know, I, th- I do a lot of thinking when I'm driving. And I do a lot of driving. But, I mean, that, this is the the exact, you know, justification cards. You know, you sit and talk about what it, what is the role of this one piece in the deck. You know, I, when, we were, when we were building that Unexpected Results deck, there's a lot of really cool cards that would work with Unexpected Results. But you look at them and you go, well, this just... D- doesn't fit with what the deck's trying to do, or it's just not as good as any other piece, or there's just not enough slots to stick it in there. There's a lot of reasons why you can't put a card in there, and you you almost should err on the side of not putting cards in your deck versus trying to stick some cards in there where you where they shouldn't be. Yeah, like every single card needs to justify itself. Like you know, like for like with the unexpected results, you need to look at the card and like, okay, how bad is this if I hit it off unexpected? Like there's some cards that are just dead like if you unexpected and hit a birds of paradise you feel bad about it but at least the birds gives you mana ramp which then allows you to do other stuff like every card needs to earn its place yeah just so i mean even with that blue black control deck you built i mean looking through that list and everything there were very few four of in that list except yeah, for some of the really really staple removal spells but it was kind of built to be one of those decks that can kind of do a little bit of everything and kind of attack attack the game from different angles yeah, I I very much want to be able to take advantage of the fact that I'm playing Serum Visions, I'm playing Thought Scour and Snapcaster Mage, so I can just churn through my deck to get a card if I need it. Like, that was the goal of the deck. It's like, I have, you know, some cards that are just kind of poor against some people, but I can get through them, so they're not actually a problem. It's like, yeah, I'm playing a, I'm playing a Go for the Throw, which destroys target non-artifact creature, and I will occasionally get paired up against Affinity, but it's a one of in my deck that's dead against them. That's fine. Like you can't always have the perfect deck. Yep. And game two, you just put it in the side. Yeah. And like that's that's another thing that's really good for this whole like um, how to like put things in your deck is like the meta of what you're playing against matters. Like this doesn't this doesn't apply for the people who really like you know like in regards to unexpected results, you don't really care about the meta. You just want to try and unexpected results and stuff. But if for people who are brewing a deck specifically to fine-tune it to be good against a meta like the meta does matter you need to look at what are you likely to play against and how many bad cards you want against those people because like especially for something like modern or legacy the formats are so wide open you can't just have the perfect deck against everyone it's it's not possible uh, this is where the the local store piece really comes into play here. Most of the time, your meta's not shifting that much. People kind of show up and play the same decks for the most part. Yeah, like, I, if I sit down across from someone, I usually know what one or two decks they might be on. Most people only have one deck. Like, there are a few people who, you know, they'll come with this new random brew they found and see if it works, and, you know, they might be a wild card that I'm not taking into account. But, you know, that's why, like, you just, if you have generically powerful things going on in your deck, it doesn't matter. Like, sure, my opponent might be playing, you know, four-color burn with Isochron Scepters. I still have Cryptic Command in my deck. Cryptic Command is still a good magic card. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you said earlier that uh, Unexpected Results really doesn't care about the meta, but it kind of does. Like, if if we knew that our meta was nothing but Infect and Affinity running around all over, and that's all anybody played, then... Yeah, you're never playing that then deck. Then I'm never <laughs> playing that deck, even, even though in the meta we're in where there's less of that i mean it shows up but 
I mean, the deck's still not great, but <laughs> yeah. that's not necessarily the purpose. But I, I, yeah, I wouldn't even try playing the deck because it's just not worth it. I'm dead by the time yeah. anything happens. That is something that you actually do. Like you, you've played the deck only like two or three times, and like whenever you're playing serious, you're playing one of my decks. You know, you're playing um, Blood Moon or something like that, and you're just trying to win through more legitimate means, shall we say? And like you do, you do temper your expectations to that degree. It's like sometimes the deck isn't playing, isn't worth playing, and like that also goes to a certain degree. It's like sometimes you know your brew that you have this totally awesome idea, but it just doesn't seem to be working. You need to know when just to cut your losses because not everything is playable. Yeah, sometimes you just need to put that on the shelf and just dust off the deck that's been in the established meta for a long time. And if you need the wins, get the wins. I, you know, it's really awesome. Like when I can bring out unexpected and play it and crush somebody. You know, go just combo off turn three and slam an Emrakul on the table. But that just doesn't happen enough when I'm trying to qualify for something or you know I really want to do well in a particular tournament and that's not to say that you shouldn't like keep the deck in mind like i've always wanted to play straight blue black control and modern i just haven't been able to and then suddenly they print fatal push i have an adequate replacement for lightning bolt suddenly in my deck which was something that um straight blue black was very much missing like you know blue red control they had lightning bolt and they have all these other like burn removal spells and white has path to exile just to try and like get them to that late game where they can start taking over with their control engines like black didn't really have that like your best removal spells are two drops and if you get paired against affinity or against um infect or something sometimes two drops are just there's a huge difference between one mana and two mana there is a massive difference between it like it is you will literally lose games because you're staring at a hand that has like three two mana removal spells. You have three mana in play, and your opponent, your infect opponent's on the play with four mana, and you're just dead. You can you have one spell, and they will protect their creature from it. So it's just something people need to take into account. And that's that's another thing that you know. When, like continuing on, we get to the point where it's like you're when you actually start playing the deck, like once you got your, you know, your basic list figured out, you know, you're figured like, I want these 60 cards in the main. This seems like an adequate sideboard. You know, you, you have to start, you know, you take it and you play in your tournament and maybe you just play against your friends, but eventually you need to take it to an actual tournament to play. And even if it's just F and M and you need to accept the fact that just because this, you know, brew is your heart and soul and your baby and you've nurtured it from like you know this little i just really really want to play gut shot because i think the card's sweet and you've made this you know blue red delver list just for some really absurd example and it's like you take it and you lose and that's something you just need to expect to happen because it does happen like yeah you might get free wins against some people but Every time you bring a brew and you play against an established deck, you need to realize that you're not just playing against that one person and that one deck. You're playing against the entire hive mind of anyone who has ever played Affinity, tuning that deck to be the best it could possibly be. And it's literally you versus millions. That That is an extremely good point. Part of the reason that those net decks are so good and those established meta decks are so dang good is because that hive mind has been grinding away on them. They've been able to just optimize every every little piece down to the best. And, you know, if you spend a few weeks or whatever building a, a brew, you don't have the sheer hours, you know, collective hours into that deck to make it 
as efficient and streamlined as possible. I mean, and this is definitely not a good example to say to talk about that, but that unexpected results deck that I played, the, the Sweet Brew, I mean, <laughs> even how, how the amount of time we've talked about that deck, we made it it we made it better by just asking another group of people and completely changed it because we used to run it as a straight blue green list and then then we I posted it online somewhere and somebody suggested uh, Blast of Genius and the deck is twice as good now. Yeah, like that was a major flaw with the deck is sometimes you draw the pieces you want to hit and Blast of Genius lets you discard them for damage and when you discard an Emrakul to fifteen someone. I mean, and realistically in modern, just somebody by playing their lands can get down to 15. Yeah, I've, I've been at 15 on turn oh, yeah. one before. And, I mean, it Shit may have made happens. the deck twice as good, but I mean, you know, twice of nothing it's is nothing. It's but... unexpected <laughs> results. <laughs> so, but I mean, those are the things that you, you have to look at. I mean, if you, especially if you're just working alone on this deck, you just don't have the perspective and the, and the time to make it the perfect machine. And... Tempering your expectations for that when you go in and start playing these decks, these crazy decks, are is very, very important, so you just don't let yourself down. I mean, I, I went into the first event with that Unexpected Results deck expecting to basically... I said if I won a, a game, not a match, a game, I would have been totally happy with it. I ended up going 2-2 two and two with it, but the next time I took it there, I think I went 0-3 or 0-4. and 4. So, yeah. And that's just how it will be. Yeah, like, that's just something that you need to accept is going to happen when you play it. But, like, there's just because you lost doesn't mean you can't learn from it. Like, if you just sit down and you're like, okay, why did I lose and can I fix it? And, like, there's adult, there's the other side of that coin, too, that matters a lot is why did I win and can I replicate it? And there's a lot of people who don't take stuff like that into account. It's like the whole, you know, it doesn't matter why you won, you just won. Like, it matters a lot why you won because your goal should be to always replicate that as frequently as possible. Yeah, and both of those sides are just as important. It's, it's really easy to win a game and just go, well, I won. I must have, everything must have been right with the deck and it's great and all this is good. But if your opponent gets land screwed and you can just do whatever you need to do with your deck and kill them, I mean, that doesn't prove anything to your deck. Like, you you gain very little information from that. And you have to you have to learn to have the self control to actually win a game like that, and still learn from it. Yeah, it, like, which a lot of people just don't and you seem can pick out the flaws from a deck in many ways like that just by even when you win and just saying if if this if my opponent would have done this, I would have lost that game. And it, recognizing yeah. that even even that little piece is sometimes just enough to say well if I make this tweak to the deck, that might be enough to to shore it up against this or sometimes you just have to accept that your deck's going to be weak against something and if they play card x well you just lose you know if that's a card that's in every single deck in the meta then you might want to be rethinking your plans but if it's not sometimes you can just say well okay that's what it is i guess yeah you will not have a good matchup against every deck in the meta that is just not physically possible Sometimes you can you can sometimes use play skill to get around that weakness. Sometimes you can use sideboard to get around that weakness, but it's just going to happen. And there's nothing you can do about it because that's how magic works. There's no such thing as the best. And the big piece about it is is recognizing that you will never have a deck that can beat everything and understanding when it's appropriate to prop it up and when it's appropriate to accept it and 
just take that risk and understand that you will lose a percentage of games in this situation. And you just got to maximize the chance to win. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, there are times where you just need to, you know, shelve the deck that you want to do, pull out the, you know, uh, your blue-green infect deck that you played previously, and you're like, all right, I need to be serious, you know, because it actually matters that I win this tournament or something like that. Like, it feels really awesome to win with your own brew, but sometimes actually winning is better. Like, this this little episode, it has nothing to do with, like, you know, net decks versus... Um, brews and stuff like that like they both have their place in the world they both need to exist like every net deck started out as a brew someone had to sit down and get got this idea and it got you know it got shared between like a pro tour team or the guy just took it to a gp and crushed with it and then all of a sudden you know the hive mind gets their hands on it and then it becomes like this actual force to be reckoned with in, reckoned with in the in the metagame as it were it's like it's just something that happens and like you know and i'm i have nothing against people who always brew i have nothing against people who always net deck like to each their own but you know a really good quote that patrick chapin um once said is if your decks aren't at least 25 percent brews you have no heart if your decks aren't at least 25 percent net deck you have no brain and it's just it's just resonates so well with the actual how magic works with people yeah, you have you have diehard net deckers and diehard brewers, and they all hate each other. It's like, oh, I lost your janky brew, and it's like, oh, you're just doing a net deck, and you you have no creativity. It's like, guys, uh, there is there's no such thing as a moral victory in Magic. I mean, yeah, there's there's there, only winning. Yeah, you can. The only it doesn't matter where you get your deck from if if you can win. You know, two games out of the two games out of the three, you get the win for that match, and that's and that's what you're going for. You have a W next and year. So, you know, sometimes that's not what you're going for, and that's totally okay. And sometimes the stakes are lower, and you want those wins, but you want to do it with your own deck, and that's okay. But a big, you know, a big piece of recognizing when to brew, when to net deck is just what are you trying to accomplish? If if you're somebody who has to win every single game, otherwise you are just not happy with yourself. Well, magic's not the thing for you in general. <laughs> the, this this is not the game for you. I would like to introduce you yeah, to chess. Get good at that. But if you're somebody who really has to win to prove how, <laughs> have fun. Yeah, it, it, if you're somebody who really has to win to prove that you're good enough, you probably shouldn't be brewing as much, unless you're yeah. Patrick Chapin, the innovator. But yeah, unless unless you're Jesus. <laughs> but if you're if you're somebody who wants to explore new decks and is okay with dropping a number of games and you're more there for the experience, then, you know, brewing brewing, and even brewing out there a little more and going a little crazy and making unexpected results brews is probably okay. Mm-hmm. If you're somebody who wants to, you know, qualify for certain events or, or certain tournaments are important for you to win, sometimes you just got to buckle down and play the deck you know that's going to win. I do personally think that there is a correlation between people who brew frequently and those people also being reasonably good at limited a lot of the time because there's a lot of the same stuff going on for an actual brewer and limited is like you you look at a card and you have to evaluate how good it is and it's a big thing about limited that a lot of people don't take into account it's like being able to brew forces you to think outside the box like i i'm absolutely certain that i'm a better magic player because i helped you make an I was going to say, I think I am a better Magic player because 
we both worked on that deck. And it's not even that the the thing, not even that the the choices applied directly to that deck. I mean, that deck is going to be mediocre no matter what we do to it. I mean, even even though it well, is yeah, even though so... it is modern show and tell, it's it's still never going to be. Yeah. A player in the meta, it's never going to be a great deck. It's just going to be a fun deck that I play. But all the decisions and discussions, and you know, deciding well, what lands do we put in? Well, what creatures do we put in? What critical mass of of hits do we need from unexpected results versus mana dorks and utility creatures? Should we play, you know, three of this card and four of this card? Which mana creature should we play? All these choices come in, and as we make these choices, you understand which pieces are important to building a deck and that then that applies outward even more to other you know even to tuning net decks or building decks in sealed or limit or, or sealed or draft and you can kind of see how, how all these pieces come together to build a cohesive unit it just it gives you a really good view of the bigger picture of overarching magic like yeah you're working on it on a small scale but it applies to everything so much when it comes to, like, it does apply to your how to build a limited deck, especially sealed. It does apply to tuning a deck. It does, like, just so much of it coincides where, like, if you think you're bad at, like, you know, eva- deck evaluation, try brewing. Like, it forces you to get good at it if you're someone who cares about winning. I mean, it can even be a bad deck that you want to brew. Just a casual yeah. kitchen table deck. But really stop and look at it and think about the deck and what it's doing. I, that stupid um, uh, that stupid Skulker deck I built. I've, I've, no, I mean, <laughs> I, I've set, I set limitations on myself to what cards I can put in it. I will only put cards in it that have mm. the phrase, draw a card on it. And But using those limitations... Such, such a punishment It's for like you. my dream. <laughs> but, but the thing is, is that I've had to make choices, you know, I have to make choices between cards and prop up weaknesses using these limitations, which, you know, what is a format? Well, modern is a limited card pool. So you're still, yeah, you're, like- it's just a different set of limitations. And those, those restrictions breed creativity, to quote somebody else who is big in the magic community. Yeah. And... <laughs> But those, but those thinking in those manners, even if it isn't directly in the format that you're working with, helps you understand h- how magic works and how deck building works. Yeah, like just another point to something that you said is sometimes you just build a bad deck. Nine out of ten decks built by the greatest magic players, like magic deck builders of all time, suck. That's just inevitably going to happen while you're playing magic. Like you're going to have this brew and it's just going to be bad. And you need to accept that that's the norm. You're not you're not some savant who's just gonna be able to do whatever the hell you want, because you know success is born through failure, and people don't see that. That's that's a life lesson there too. Yeah, is that the people who succeed in life have failed many times before, and that goes with magic deck builders as well. Absolutely. Yeah, we're we're not gonna have time to get into the full like you know the actual approach to true brewing in this episode because we don't have three hours, but. I think that's a pretty good idea on the full or episode on the philosophy of magic deck building. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about yeah. this, so I'm. Uh, I think we can wrap it up unless you have something else you want to talk uh, about. I have a little question that came to me while I was thinking about this episode. Okay. If you had to choose between playing unexpected results, done only. Oh. <laughs> or. Playing one of my decks every time you go to an F&M, which would you rather do? 
So when you say one of your decks, do I just get to pick one of your decks? And yeah, that's like it? you're you're basically forced to play a tier one to two slash deck, you know, because that's what I have built primarily. Like you, you have to play one of my modern decks. Every any time you ever play modern, you have to choose between unexpected results or the variations of it, or one of my established decks. We'll use that as a phrase. Ugh. Well, if I ever if I pick unexpected results, I'm never qualifying for the invitational in. Uh, with modern over again. <laughs> yep. Unless only two people show up. But the story equity of unexpected results is just so insane that just the few times I've played it, it's just been one of those decks that's just so much fun. Anytime you have you're sitting next to somebody, like not even the person you're playing against, the people at the ta- next to you at the table playing a different game stop their game and go, "No, no, I'm not paying attention to our game. We're going to watch this game. This is <laughs> just this crazy stuff." You know you have a good deck and it just makes people kind of roll their eyes i guess but yeah, you you will <sighs> never get someone more salty than when you randomly turn three emmer cool them from a shitty deck <laughs> I, I can theoretically turn to it now true we made the true. edits <laughs> uh i don't know because i do love playing i like playing good decks mm. too i like playing decks where i get to actually test myself i mean it's like blue moon is like one of those decks that i just love playing that blue moon mirror was just one of the most fun things ever even though it was probably the most painful <laughs> thing ever to watch hey i appreciate those kind of matchups it, it was it was literally who could do yeah, nothing it's like first. hey you want to play a game of chess we only get pawns <laughs> it was so good but even I, I i really enjoy playing that deck too and playing that in the invitational i qualified for was i i really did enjoy that too um because I actually had some good, some fun matchups. I uh, that was the first time I ever played against Scapeshift with that deck, which wasn't too bad. But you learned reasonably. I, don't, I, I counter Scapeshift. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is how you win. But I, I really enjoy all the play with that deck too. I don't think I'd want to play something like Affinity or Infect forever. I mean, yeah, obviously if you chose my decks, you have millions of options because I have ADD when it comes to decks. You're, just, yeah. you're forced to not play Chank. <laughs> it's a really good Honestly, thing you're not actually forced to make this decision. Yeah, I know. I, I'm going to just, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go with my heart on this one and I'm going to go with the Chank just right. because I'm an unreasonable human being, even, even though it's probably the wrong decision. I just love unexpected results. So it's my you baby. Know what? It really You're is. You're staying true to yourself, and I will never hold that against you. I'm not. I'm not a total yeah, spike. I'm, so. I'm way too red to ever hold that against you. <laughs> well, all right. Good question. So I guess we'll um. Uh, that'll wrap that one up there. And if that's all you got. Then I guess we'll we'll catch you guys next time. See ya.